Hey guys, I'm Abigail Meller, and welcome back to Generation Invincible, a podcast on public health, healthcare policy, and social justice issues by millennial for millennials, and anyone else that cares about the health and social problems facing our nation. Anger, fury, hatred, outrage. Today's episode took a sudden turn when I woke yesterday to find that 20, then 50 people were murdered and 53 were injured when a shooter opened fire at a nightclub in Orlando, Florida. After living in Jerusalem for four months during a spike in terror attacks in the Israeli city, I felt like I had become slightly desensitized to death and murder. But I felt this news with full emotion, feeling sick, horrified, sad, and angry. Really angry. So, while this episode was originally intended to be about misogyny, I'm dedicating it to those whose lives were lost and those who were injured. As this tragedy brings out anger and hatred towards the perpetrator, those who are homophobic or transphobic, or whoever else you may wish to blame for the worst act of gun violence in the history of our nation, remember that the act itself was also rooted in anger and hate. So that's what today's episode will be about. Anger. You're entitled to feel however you feel, but remember that anger doesn't create change. Violence should not create change. When rooted in love, support, and acceptance, actions create change. Laws create change. Advocacy creates change. Communities create change. Let us feel our anger, but use love to change the world. And that's what today's episode is about. Anger. Those who are angry about Hillary Clinton's historic nomination, those who are angry about the Brock Turner case, why it's okay to be angry, but you should take your anger and be productive and progressive rather than contribute to hate and violence. If you feel like I do and think that this should be the last shooting that is in part a result of the lack of gun control laws in this country, please check out the link that is included in the description of this podcast episode on my Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, or Tumblr. The shooter had obtained his gun through legal channels in our country, despite being under FBI watch for being an ISIS sympathizer. The link is to an article from Huffington Post with ways to contact your representative or senator, as well as a form letter for writing to your reps and a script if you choose to call your representative. History was made in the last week. This week, Hillary Clinton cinched the Democratic presidential nomination, becoming the first woman to ever be nominated for the office of President of the United States. And then on Thursday, President Obama came out in full support with his endorsement of Hillary, saying that he thinks there has never been someone so qualified for the presidency. In all honesty, in Obama's endorsement video, I was brought to tears. I can't believe that this feeling of pure joy is now overshadowed by a feeling of pure grief this week. But as I listened to our president's words, I came to a few realizations besides this historical significance. Instead of being angry that Bernie has lost the race and that Obama and Elizabeth Warren and more have endorsed Hillary, stop and think, what good does anger get you? Sure, it's cathartic for like a minute, but it's fleeting and then you get angry again. Instead, my advice is to put your anger aside and see the good in the situation. I'm under the impression that most Democrats like Elizabeth Warren. I mean, the woman is amazing. Her most recent media chat on Trump called him a thin-skinned racist bully, 
and his response was to reference her Native American heritage by referring to her as Pocahontas and the Indian. Yes, Trump, because that makes you sound less racist for sure. Warren supports Hillary, and now people are saying that they've lost respect for her. Why, under the same logic, can you not respect Hillary a little more because someone that you looked up to supports her? Why can you not see that Hillary is probably going to choose a more liberal running mate, possibly Elizabeth Warren, who will get you the farther left-leaning things you wanted because of smart politics? Many of you see the political system as corrupt, and maybe it is. But only during the election cycles is when people speak out about superdelegates and the two-party system. As soon as the election is over, the issue disappears until the next election. I was raised in a way to accept the things you cannot change and put your effort and passions into the things you know you can change. If you want to change the way candidates run and are elected in our country, work for it and contact your representative at the beginning of his or her term, not during elections. It's going to take a long time to create a lot of the visions that Bernie has, but I believe that a lot of them will come true. And with Hillary as president, I think that they are possible. To you Bernie supporters, I'm sorry. I know you are upset. I actually voted for Bernie in the primary because I genuinely believe in many of the things that he says and the vision that he has for our country. And while he was obviously meant to create important political change, he wasn't meant to become president in this election. I changed my mind and have supported Hillary, and you can do that too without feeling like you betrayed your cause or turned your back on Bernie. We as Democrats, liberals, progressives, or however you want to label us, want the same things. We want to have equal access to health care at a reasonable cost. We want equality and protection for minority populations, especially LGBTQ communities, in light of this week's targeted massacre. And for those of you that don't identify with the Democratic Party, I'm begging you, literally. Please take a moment to make yourself an educated voter and develop your strong political opinions based on facts, not rumors and advertisements and campaigns meant to skew your understanding. If once you become truly ed educated, using more than one type of source because Fox News ain't reliable, honey, you still want to vote for Trump? Email me and let's talk about it. I'm always open to an honest and reasonable dialogue about politics where, yes, you guessed it, Anger is put aside so that the conversation can be mature. In times like these, solidarity is what's important. We've seen that disagreements within political parties create monsters disguised as politicians. And yes, I do mean Donald Trump. These monsters only further separate and divide Americans, propagating the us versus them mentality. I don't want to be the us that hates them because we can't agree on an issue. I want us all to come together because we are a united people with different genders, races, ethnicities, sexual orientations, religions, political beliefs, and more. Right now, each one of these things separates everyone into these categories. As President Obama said in response to the horrible massacre, In the face of hate and violence, we will love one another. We will not give in to fear or turn against each other. Instead, we will stand united as Americans to protect our people and defend our nation and to take action against those who threaten us. Say what you want about Hillary, but you all have to realize that she had to do a lot to get where she is, including a lot of things that she probably didn't want to do. This isn't the woman card. This is the reality that we as women face. 
We have to work twice as hard to be half as successful as men who are supposed to be our equals. And when amazing women like Hillary Clinton toe the party line in order to command and create the change that she envisions for this country, she is criticized more than her male counterparts for the same actions. She is not the only politician that has used a personal email account for professional use. But have you heard of anyone else getting nearly this much coverage or being prosecuted for it? Nope. Have you heard that the Congressional Committee in charge of investigating Benghazi, which was operational longer than the congressional investigations into the assassination of President Kennedy, Watergate, and more, found that Hillary did not commit any wrongdoing, even after other investigations had found the same thing? So please do not complain about taxpayer dollars going towards health care coverage for all when $7 million has been wasted to prove something that we already knew by someone who had admitted that he wanted to ruin Hillary's campaign. I'm sure all of you by now have heard of the controversial case and sentencing of Brock Turner, a Stanford University student who assaulted an unconscious woman behind a dumpster on Stanford University's campus after a night of heavy drinking. If you have not, here's what you need to know. Brock Turner sexually assaulted the victim, who has continued to remain anonymous throughout the wide media attention of this case. During the assault, which occurred in January of 2015, two Swedish graduate students saw Turner and the victim noticed the victim was not moving, and when they approached to assess the situation, Turner tried to run away. One of the students tackled Turner, the other calling the police, and they detained him until police arrived. Fast forward to now, where he was convicted of three charges of felony sexual assault. Assault with intent to rape an intoxicated woman, sexually penetrating an intoxicated woman with a foreign object, and sexually penetrating an unconscious person with a foreign object. Judge Aaron Persky sentenced Turner to only six months in jail, which, if he has good behavior, he could get out in three. He will also be on probation for three years and have to register as a sex offender. Prosecutors recommended that Turner be given a six-year prison sentence. In their sentencing brief, they argued several factors merited a more severe sentence. Quote, He purposefully took her to an isolated area, away from all of the partygoers, to an area that was dimly lit, and assaulted her on the ground behind a dumpster. He deliberately took advantage of the fact that she was so intoxicated that she could not form a sentence, let alone keep her eyes open or stand. This behavior is not typical assaultive behavior that you would find on campus, but it is more akin to a predator who is searching for prey. End quote. However, Judge Persky decided that the proper sentencing would have a severe impact on Turner. You know, since he's a white guy who's on a swimming scholarship at school with aspirations to get to the Olympics. Because that's important when determining sentencing for sexual assault, am I right? Let's talk about the real severe impact here. The real impact is that the victim's life is ruined. It is not a crime to go out drinking and drink too much. I think most people I know can say with complete confidence that they have done it, and so have I. But just because I go out and drink does not mean that it's my fault if someone decides to take advantage of me. The victim woke up and didn't know where she was. Her memory of the assault is completely gone. All they told her was that she had been found behind a dumpster, she had potentially been assaulted, she needed to be retested for HIV, and to try and go back to her normal life. 
The details that she learned later were not from the hospital or the police. They were from an article she read online. This is how she found out what she looked like when she was found, with dirt and pine needles in her hair and vagina, naked from the waist down, dress pulled off her shoulders. From her long statement to her attacker on the day of sentencing, she said, quote, If you are confused about whether a girl can consent, see if she can speak an entire sentence. You couldn't even do that. Just one coherent string of words. If she can't do that, then no. Don't touch her. Just no. Not maybe. Just no. Where was the confusion? This is common sense. Human decency. End quote. Brock Turner had no common decency. When I was in college, my friend used to say drunk actions are sober thoughts. Alcohol doesn't make you do anything. It makes you more bold to do the things that were already in your head. Drunk actions are sober thoughts. For me, that meant a text message or eating pizza when I was trying to diet. For him, that meant acting out his aggressions towards women by taking advantage of this girl who could not stand up for herself. Hell, she couldn't even stand up. In the victim's words, this is not a story of another drunk college hookup with poor decision-making. She said that after all that, after all the trauma, that's when they said what everyone can see coming. She was asking for it. She liked it. She wanted it. She was drunk. What did she expect? You might have also seen that last line in a graphic that's been shared on Facebook with two bubbles. The top one saying, she was drunk. What did she expect to happen? And the bottom one saying, a hangover. She expected a hangover. To add insult to injury, as if there hadn't been enough of either of these things in this woman's life at this point, people started defending Turner. Instead of focusing on his crimes, they focused on his swimming accomplishments and aspirations. His dad came to his defense prior to sentencing and said that the fact that his son's life will not be what he imagined, presumably regarding an Olympic swimming career, is a steep price to pay for 20 minutes of action. A high school friend said that we need to stop being so politically correct and realize that campus rape isn't always because people are rapists. Oh, well, what is it about then? In my opinion, without the rapists, there would be no rape. I don't understand how anyone can argue against that because rapes happen all the time without the campus-related excuses. Alcohol, drugs, stress, sexual tension. Campus culture does not create rape. Rapists create rape. And the society and justice system that protects rapists tells everyone else that rape isn't so bad, you only get three months in jail, unless you're not white, or poor, or not an athlete, or not a stellar student, or young. But let's talk about Corey Beatty, who committed a similar and equally as horrific crime while he was a student at Vanderbilt University. He was black, so his sentencing was 15 to 25 years. That's the appropriate sentence for any, any violent sexual assault. But why did it have to be that he was black to create the appropriate sentence? See how this episode was originally supposed to be about misogyny? See how it's become about anger? I bet you're pretty angry by now. But don't act on the anger. Act on the belief that injustices still occurring on a regular basis in our country need to be stopped. Act on the belief that women should be able to wear what they want, go out and have a good time, and not be worried that someone will rape her. Teach your brothers, sons, friends, whoever. Teach them how to respect women. Because honestly, many men don't. And that's the society that we live in that continues to promote aggression and hate from people who think that they are better than others, people who think that those who are less than them deserve to be assaulted or murdered. Imagine all the people 
Today is my 23rd birthday. And for my birthday, and by the way, I don't believe that if you tell your wish, it won't come true. For my birthday, I wish that my children will not have to experience the atrocities that I have seen. That they will read about it in textbooks like we do the Holocaust and be shocked, but from a distance. I will tell my children how I felt and what I've seen, but they won't have to experience the horrific feeling to wake up and find that 50 innocent people just trying to have a good time on a Saturday night were brutally murdered. To submit feedback about Generation Invincible, ask questions, make suggestions for future episodes, or if you just want someone to listen to what you have to say, email generationinvincible at gmail.com. Until next time, in the words of Pastor Martin Niemöller, a German anti-Nazi theologian and Lutheran pastor, quote, First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out, because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me.